Good morning. I, just because I'm sick, you don't have to applaud, but I appreciate the sympathy. That's, that's great. Um, I'm sorry you have to listen to me like this, more so than I'm sorry you have to listen to me every week. That's okay. <coughs> um, thank you for the prayers. I am uh, feeling better. Those of you who don't know, I had the flu. Yay. Um, and I, I've had that, but haven't had fever for a few days and getting over that and stir crazy, so... I thought I'd hide from all y'all this morning and then stand up here. So this is now not just a, a, an altar, it's a safe zone. So we're making that work today. Um, but I am excited to continue our sermon series called Outside of the Box. And I want to ask you this question this morning to think about, to set the table on this. What's your limit? You ever thought about that? What's your limit? And you're going, okay, well, you got to talk to me about that. Weight limit? Well, I'm over, I'm, you know, what, what kind of limits are you talking about? How much do I want to spend? Well, I'm, I'm over that. Well, but each of us have this idea about how far we can go, really in any thing. We have an idea of, of what our ideal is. But do you realize that even... The biggest idea that you can come up with, that's limited. There's always a next step. There's always another level. There's always something better. Almost fell. But you guys might not be the one to take it to that next level because your idea may be this big and you may get it this far, but then God may send somebody else along to take it up from here and then move it on. See, it says the first five words in the Bible. In the beginning, God did what? Created. A bunch of biblical scholars. Last week you were criminals. Today you're biblical scholars. That's good. If you didn't hear last week's message, why you're all criminals, you can listen to that online. But uh, in the beginning, God created. He is a creator God. He creates things. Which he didn't stop at Genesis 1. He continues to create Every time a child is born, God's creating. Every time that a plant is planted, God's creating. It, it, things still continue to develop <clears throat> and are created in this world. And when God told us as mankind to go forward and subdue the earth, we were supposed to be expressing our creative nature, and we're continuing to move forward. So why is it that sometimes we reach a limit? Why is it sometimes that we get to a point in our life where we say, that's uh, good enough, you know, or, well, I, I really can't do that. I, I can't take that to this next level. You know, really, when you think about that, the answer is usually one of two things of why we hit that limit. It usually has to do with either comfort or control. One of the two things. It either has to do with comfort or control. You see, when we're comfortable, we figure out how we want something to work, how we want it to look. We kind of build a system around it. We start to run it. It gets comfortable for us. And so we say, oh, this is, this is good enough. And so I'm just going to stop right here because I can understand it. I get it. And I kind of like it this way. Can I tell you something? I have a very strong belief in life that most systems that we run into in life need an expiration date. 
um, if you want me to speak in church terms, church programs need an expiration date. Uh, they, they serve for a time, and then they, they kind of become more important about, well, we've got to keep this program going, whereas in the first we say we've got to do this so that we do something. And then we get to the point that we go, we just got to keep this going, and we don't even realize why we're trying to keep some things going at times. Th- those things are true in our life. Those things are true in our church. They're true at work. You want to revolutionize the way that you lead as, an, as a boss? You want to revolutionize the way you do things as employee? Look at the systems that you work and go, how, how is this system doing? How long are we going to be able to keep this up? What is going to be next after this? And spend some time thinking about those things. You see, when we begin to think of it as, hey, I think this will work for two to three years, it challenges us to say, hey, we're, we're going to have to do something new to keep this thing moving forward. Instead, it's like we continue to try to breathe life into an old idea instead of doing what God created us to do, which is be creative and pursue something new. We reach a point where we just kind of stop doing that sometimes in life. And when we do that, when we get to the point where we're just comfortable and we hold on to our own systems, we tend to exclude other people. Do you know that? We, we tend to leave other people out. And the reason we do that is because we get stuck in our way of doing things and we forget how to bring others along in the process because we just know how it works. And it's tiring to bring somebody else along and go, let me show you everything about how this works. You remember when you first started something, anything, trying to figure it out, trying to figure how you would just put hours into it. You would think, you would figure it out, you would ask somebody else. Now we Google it, that's awesome. You just Google it and figure out how to do those things or watch a video on YouTube, but you're trying to perfect it and get it better. And then when you figure it out, sometimes we just go, ah, I figure this out. And somebody new comes along and they're trying to figure it out and, and often we don't take the time to bring them along. We forget what it's like to be at the first of that part of a journey instead of where we are in it now. Think about it. Think about the first time you started a project. Think about the first time you started a job. Think about the first time you stepped into a volunteer role in ministry or that you learned a new skill or that even this, this is a real simple one that I think we all understand. Think about the first time you found a new place to eat that you really liked. And what did you do? You told about 15 people that you knew about, have you tried this place? This place is awesome. I love it. I didn't know this was here. This is great. Oh, I haven't had this on the menu yet. I haven't had this. I want to try one of these. And you talk about it. And then when it becomes your favorite place, it's like, hey, we're going to so-and-so's. You want to go? Yeah. You don't talk about it anymore. It's not as exciting. It's not as new. It's not as fresh. That happens. Our natural response, though, naturally when things excite us, we naturally want to bring others along. It's when they quit exciting us that we stop bringing people along. Do you hear what I said? It's when the things that we're doing stop exciting us or breathing life into this that we stop bringing other people along. You realize that 65% of the churches in America are in decline? 65%. There's more churches in America that are in decline than are growing. And out of, listen to this, Out of the 35% of the churches that are growing, 93% of the churches that are growing are growing from transfer growth, which means 
somebody got tired of one church and they just went to another church. So here's what it's saying. That out of the 35% of the growing churches in America, only 6 to 7% of them are actually bringing new people along to faith in Christ. That's sad. Somewhere we've lost our excitement. Somewhere we've lost along the way. It's become old hat to us. We don't bring other people along. We don't bring new people in. We just know. I know when to stand. I know when to sit. I know when to sing. I know what to do. I know my class. I know my people. I'm comfortable with this. I'm comfortable with that. Don't break this group up. Don't do this thing. Don't sing that song. Do sing this song. Don't do this. Do th- it all becomes about our, what am I about to say? Box. We build a box and we live in it. And we get comfortable with it. And we say, this is what I like. These are my preferences. This is my stuff. And you limit yourself. And you limit God. If you want to know what your limits are, look at your routine. That's your limit. You're limiting yourself to your routine. But when we naturally are excited about something, we want to bring other people along. We want to invite them. We want to show our friends. We're excited when new people like it. We're excited when it validates that, oh, man, somebody else is here, and it's new. But somewhere along the way, I just want to ask you, have you found your limit? Well, maybe you would say, well, pastor, how do I know if I've found my, my limit in something? Now, I'm going to give you a real, a real quick thing to evaluate. This is a real simple thing, but I want you to listen real close to what I'm about to say. And you can use this not just for your spiritual life. You can lose this, use this in your job. You can use this in your family. You can use this anywhere, but listen to this. When you continue to talk to other people about how great things were instead of how great things could be, you've reached your limit. When you get to the point that you continue to talk to people about how great things were instead of how great things can be, You've reached your limit because all you're trying to do is to go back and pursue something that excited you at one point in time because what you're saying is there's nothing out in front of me that's exciting me anymore so I've got to go back and find something back here that's exciting that's quite opposite to following a creator God you see if we follow a creator God that means he's always doing something new he's always bringing us forward he's always trying to get us to go and pursue something and if we find ourselves stuck in that no matter it's talking about your favorite sports team it doesn't matter if you're talking about places to eat doesn't matter if you're I used to be a waiter at Applebee's it was awesome okay I actually was a trainer there was a sweet sweet job they would send me to open up stores they would send me the night before and they're doing all this stuff and I got to go in as kind of as a secret shopper I got to eat for free, got to do all this stuff, and then I got to go in and train all the employees about how to, you know, how to properly do the tables and do all this type of stuff. It was fun. I'm going to tell you something about Applebee's. Their menu used to be great. It's awful now. I just thought I would tell you that. I reached my limit with Applebee's, and I moved on. Because they started, it was just, but that's serious. It's one of those things, they started doing things that didn't excite me anymore. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. This is crazy. You took that off the menu. I can't believe you changed that. 
And I was one of the people who was supposed to be out there training this stuff, and I'm complaining about it. You see, when you reach your limit, you've got a choice. Get re-energized or get out of the way. That's your choice. When you reach your limit on something, you have two choices. Get refocused, get re-energized, do the effort, get going, let's go. i got to get re-energized or get out of the way. Because God has somebody else in line waiting to step up and take whatever your idea was that you may have done a great job on for a very long time, but they're ready to take it to a new level. They're excited about it. They're excited about where it's going. They want to take this thing forward. That's a pretty exciting thing to me. Now, here's a side note. I'm going to give you a little positive advice. If you view everything that you do in life as simply preparing the next person to take it to the next level, then you're going to succeed at everything that you do. You'll find great purpose in what you do. You'll take it farther than you ever thought you could. And when you've reached your limit, you will find great joy in handing it off and seeing somebody else succeed with it. So if you just simply hold things with an open hand, I'm a Sunday school teacher for a season. I get to be the parent of a preschooler for a season. They're going to grow up, right? I get to be a parent of a teenager for a long season, right? But when you look at these things, sorry guys, it's just, they get it. Okay. So if you see it as, look, my job is to hold on to this, to hand it off for somebody else to do it in the next, in the next way, in the next step, then you find great joy and success and you let it this far. Somebody else gets to take it and move on with it. I turned it off. Now it's back on. That was on me. Sorry. I didn't want to cough at you. Moses is seen as one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Would everybody agree with that? Moses is always touted out there as one of the greatest leaders in all of Scripture. He didn't take him to the promised land. He took him to the doorstep of the promised land. He led them out of Egypt. He led them through the desert. But he didn't actually lead them to the promised land. He set the table for Joshua to rock and roll. And then he handed it off to Joshua, and Joshua did incredible things. That's what a great leader looks like. We tout King David. King David's great. King David led this and did this, but King David didn't get to build the temple. He got to set the table so that Solomon could build the temple. We see this in Scripture all the time, that God uses great people for a great time in a great season, but sometimes there's just an opportunity for us to go, now I'm going to go on and do something else. I'll say this, I'm kind of off my notes here now, I'm just preaching, sorry. Or I'm on medication, either one you want to say, either, whatever it is. People ask me all the time, because they, they knew that for a while, I started in ministry as a drummer. I played in bands and did all this stuff and traveled and was blessed to do that for a while. And people ask me all the time, oh, are you upset that you didn't stick with that? And oh, do you wish you'd have done that? And my answer is, no. I did exactly what I felt like God wanted me to do and here's why I know that because I was very limited as a musician I honestly would sit in those bands and I would look at other people and I would go they got something I don't have and I'm riding some coattails right now and the fact and I'm I, I say this and it's funny but it is also true the reason I got to be in the band is because I had a steady job and I could afford the instruments that they wanted to play so they said hey Lindell if you'll let me play your instruments you can play drums I'm like I'm in I'm, I'm just great 
So, I, I, but I realized that there was something there. That I, I can't do that. I can't do that at the level that they can. Have you ever looked at somebody else and said, I can't do that at the level they can do that? That's somebody who understands their limits. And that's okay because God can use each and every one of us no matter where our limits are, okay? Now, one side of that we talked about was comfort. We just kind of figure out our system. We run it the same way. We do this, and it's hard to move on. The other side I said was control. We want to run the system, and we get kind of scared of failing. And we get scared of experimenting, and, and we reach a point where we believe things are happening good enough. Okay, this is good enough. And so we can control it. I can see how this works. I know what's going to happen if this happens. This is good enough for me, and we want to just keep it this way. And when others come along and they realize that we're in control, they have two choices, conform or be excluded. There's your choices. Do it my way, take the highway. That's, that's what your choices are when we're that much in control. We ignore the opportunity sometimes to better ourselves by listening to new ideas or by listening simply to the needs of other people. And on top of that, we lose the energy that we once had to bring others along with us. Again, I'll use my phrase, there's a difference between something being simple and something being easy, right? Simple means I can explain the process. But easy is, it's actually easy to do. I, say, I always say this, the simple solution is diet and exercise. That's not easy, okay? That's simple to understand. It's not easy to actually execute sometimes. So the simple thing for us as churches, if, we're, if we happen to be in that 65% that's in decline, what we can do is look for those people that we want to reach and just listen to what they need and serve them. And we'll start reaching them instead of having our way of doing things and asking them to either conform or leave because then we're never going to reach people that way. You're never going to make friends that way. <laughs> Do things my way all the time or just go away. You're never going to connect with other people all the time if every time it's your way. Why are you talking about this so much, Lyndall, if we're in Galatians and we're talking about Paul and we're talking about the law? Because this is what they were struggling with. They had the law. They could see it. They understood it. They knew how it worked. They figured out their system. They were comfortable with it, and they were in control of it. And then Jesus came along and died on the cross and allowed for us to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as, in, as a person can go to Jesus and not have to go through all the rigmarole of the laws in the, in the church. And, and now, whoa, 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 you're messing up my stuff. I don't know what to do with this. And so as they began to preach, People began to say, well, not only do you have to follow Jesus, you need to do <clears throat> all these other things as well. And that's not true. And so Paul was coming back to say, no, 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 guys, it's all by grace. And so we pick up his story in Galatians 3, verse 19. He says, why then was the law given at all? You see, Paul had made such a strong argument against the law that he actually had to stop in the middle of his argument and go, now let me tell you why the law came in the first place. Because he made such a strong argument that they may have just thrown the law out altogether. He said, no, there was a purpose for it. Why was the law given at all? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. What does that mean? It was added because of our sinfulness until Jesus came. That's what it is saying. The law was added to keep us in line until the seed of the promise came, which was Jesus Christ. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator 
The mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. If God could have made us righteous by the law, he would have done it. But he couldn't, so he gave Jesus Christ. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came. Get that? The law was our guardian. The law kept us in line. The law kept us safe. The law taught us how to enable, how to react with one another and respond to one another. The law was put in place until the promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. We've We've come of age. We're on our own. We get to make our own choices and do our own things. Verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So let's real quickly look at what he's saying here. First thing that he tells us is, the law did this. The law exposed my sin. That's what the law did. The law exposed my sin. He says, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. You see, I said this earlier, but Paul made such a strong argument about the law that he had to stop in the middle of it and he had to explain why the law was given. He said it was added because of our transgressions. God had promised to Abraham, and God had made these promises that the Messiah was coming. But until that time, he gave us the law to help guide us and to help us interact with one another. But in doing so, the law also came along and it exposed my sinfulness. It proved the fact that I can't follow God's laws, which goes all the way back to Genesis. When God had one law, don't eat this fruit. And we said, I don't like that law. And we ate it. And, and, and so the law just continued to expose our sinfulness. And so this is what Paul is just trying to tell the Galatians. Look, it was here, it had a purpose, it had a season, but it had a limit. And, and it served its purpose, it served its times. And now that Jesus Christ has come, we're now past that limit. And when Christ came, if you'll remember, he, he, he did not say, I, he said, I did not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. And so what Jesus did is he said, I didn't take the law and just say that was pointless. He said, I took everything that was in the law and I gave it its purpose. Everything that we saw in the law before, everything that we see in scripture has its purpose that is found solely in Christ Jesus. That's why we have the law. And so what Paul is arguing here with the Galatians is you can't just hold on to the law. You have to have Jesus Christ and you have to be able to put these things in place. And when we do that, it gives us an ability to do something great. And that's this next point. I can move on from my past. I can move on from my past. He says here, so in Christ Jesus, 
You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Basically, this is what Paul is saying. Now that Jesus Christ has come, you can move on. Now that Christ has come, we can move on. Paul said that about the law, but I want to say that phrase to you this morning because the same truth that Paul is saying about the law is true for many of us in our life. Because of Jesus, you can move on. Now, so many times, pastors will stand up and will say phrases like that, and then we'll talk about all the bad things in your life, right? You can move on from a, from a hurtful past. You can move on from bad relationships. You can move on from things that you've done in the past that were embarrassing, that were hard on you, that were hard on your family. And all of that is absolutely 100% true. A thousand percent true. Because of Jesus Christ and because his forgiveness that he gives us for our sinfulness, we can move on from some of the hurtful and bad things that we've done. But I want to give you the other side of that coin this morning too. Because of Jesus Christ, you can continue to move on from good things that you're doing to that next level. You can hand some things off that you've done well to somebody else and let them do them well, and you can go do something else. You can move on. You can move on in your relationship to take it to the next place, to take it to the next level, to do that next thing. There are some of us who are not doing that today because we're just comfortable with where we are. You know, I just, I got my life right. Everything seems to be working right. All my kids and family seem to be doing well. Everything seems to be going good at work. Everything seems to be going good at church. I I don't want to move. Because I'm afraid that if I move or if I hold my mouth wrong or if I say something wrong, it's all going to crumble. You realize you're not in control of it anyway, right? You see, that's, that's when we don't realize. We think we are. We have the illusion that we're in control of all this because we like to view it from our box. And we say everything that's in my box is very neatly organized and it's going very well right now. And when it gets that way, it causes us to stop taking risks. It causes us to stop moving forward. It causes us to quit thinking about what that next level might look like. We just look at God and go, hey, this is good enough. I like this. And God's going, hey, would you, hey, whoa, because of Jesus, do you realize that there's some, hey, and we're going, no, no, I like this. I like this is good. I like this right here. I'm comfortable with this. I, I like my paycheck here. I like my security here. I like my friends here. I like the way this looks. I like the way this feels. Everybody likes me. I like everybody else. There's no, there's no conflict. I'm, I'm just good right here. And God's going, man, if you'll take this next level, you won't believe what's out here. You're going, ah, I'm good. Guys, because of Jesus, you can move on. Our God is a creator. There's always a next level. And look, can I just tell you something? If you're, if you're new to First Baptist Church, I don't mind just airing our dirty laundry out here, okay? Today marks two years that I've been at First Baptist Church. Hey, there we go. And, and I don't mind telling you this. If, if you're a guest with us, one of the things that when I was coming on, they were saying, hey, you know, we're struggling as a church. We're not reaching people that we want to reach. Um, we're not really getting younger. And so you look around, we have a lot of wise people at our church, a lot of people who've lived a lot of years. Amen. Okay. And, and what I love about it is those people say, we want to reach. We want to reach new people. We want to reach younger people. We want to reach older people. We want to reach 
you know, every kind of people because we realize that's what God wants us to do. And so that's, that's in our heart. But we can move on when we realize that, hey, I, I got to get uncomfortable to move on. I have to get uncomfortable before I can move on. I can't move forward and be comfortable all at the same time. That's not, those two don't go hand in hand. There's got to be some sort of risk. There's got to be some sort of sacrifice. There's got to be some sort of laying down. There's got to be something that teaches us that, hey, we're going to a next level. But here's the deal. God's a creator. He's, he's challenging us to continue to create. And so I say this understanding that oftentimes I'm talking to people who are older or maybe even retired or looking at retirement or something like that. Can I tell you something? Move on. I love you as your pastor enough as a young kid in here to look you in the eye and say, move on. There's something else. If you're breathing, God's got something for you. Don't hold on to where you are like this is the only place that you can be. Create. God created you, and he gave you a spirit of creativity just like he has a spirit of creativity. There is something else for you to do. There is someone else for you to invest in. There's some other ministry for you to do. You have ability that goes beyond Anybody else, if you will just move on from your comfort and see what God's going to do, it's going to be exciting things in that. Now, I love you, but that's my challenge to you. Move on. If you're holding on to your past because your past was painful, let it go. Jesus Christ can come and he can heal. He desires to heal. He desires that relationship with you. He can move on. But if you're holding on to things in life right now because you just kind of like how they are, move on. Move on. It's, it's time to do something new. It's time to take that next step. Jesus Christ has come so that we can move on. And no matter where we go, he's going to go with us. And no matter what we do, we're not going to get too far out of his idea for us that he can't help guide us and see what's going on. Get out there and live this out. It's going to be exciting when we do. And then there's one other thing that Paul says in this. He says, in Jesus, I have a new identity. Now, Think about the news. Think about what's going on in our country. Think about the divides that are happening. And then let me read this phrase that Paul says. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's a good message for our country, isn't it? And that's how we as believers need to be living. We are one. We might not all agree. We might not all have the same color of skin. We might not all have the same political opinions, but we are one in Christ. And what Paul is saying here is it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're employed or unemployed. It doesn't matter if you're male or female or whatever you identify with today. It doesn't matter. You're one in Christ. It doesn't matter about the color of your skin. It doesn't matter about the status of your employment. It doesn't matter about those things. You're one in Christ. And that's how we as the church need to be living in our culture is to say that I am free from the law which is what Paul's saying, but I choose to place myself under God's law 
and to follow him because I believe when I do that, I'm a better me and I'm a better person for you. Because if you remember what I talked about before was that the reason that we choose to follow the law is not for our own benefit, but it's for the benefit of others. When we choose to say that there's somebody greater than me that's outside of my box, we are actually a benefit to those that are around us. And so when Jesus comes into our life, we get to walk this life with him. He's a creator. We get a new identity. The things that were in my past, good or bad, no longer define who I am. You realize, right, that when we continue to let the things in our past, like let's say, for example, we let the things that were good in our past continue to identify us. We're like that 50-year-old guy that walks around talking about how great he was as a football player in high school. Right? And you realize that his memory's going, and every year that he distances himself from high school, he's a much better football player than he actually was in high school. You see, if we don't choose to move on and create something new, then all we have to talk about is, you remember that time? You remember we did? You remember that was? And those things were great to talk about. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go back to our past and we shouldn't learn from our past. We shouldn't love and embrace some of the things from the past. That's, that's not what I'm saying. We should do those things. But we should be talking about, you know what? God's got something new for me. God's got something new for me in a, in a new place, in a new relationship, in a new job. God's got something new for me in retirement. God's got something new for me in family. God's got something new for me. There's, God's always creating, and we're on this journey with him. Good things and bad things, here's the truth. Our identity is solely and completely in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying. That's the only thing we identify with is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one who makes all things new. So let me ask you this question. Do you believe that Jesus has something new for you tomorrow that's different than today? Or do you think tomorrow is just going to be another Monday? Because I believe that if we will embrace the opportunity that we have to move forward in Christ, that he will show us fresh and exciting new things tomorrow. And he's a creator God that can take us in our life to a next level and a next place that we've never thought it could go. And if we'll go kind of outside of our limits that we've put on ourselves, we'll see God do fresh and exciting things, and it'll be fun. It might be scary, but it'll be scary fun. It'll be good. Or have you reached your limit? You know, does your routine reflect, let me ask you this, does your routine reflect that you worship a creator or not? Or do you limit yourself just in that same box? You see, I just believe this. It's time to take steps of faith forward. It's always time to take steps of faith forward and allow God to be fresh in your life. Today, just as he was the first time you came to know him. Tomorrow, just as he was the first time you came to know him. Take steps of faith like you did when you first came to know God. Because I just want to say this, and this is a thought I want to leave with you this morning. Good enough is a long way from godly. Think about that. Good enough is a long way from godly. Good enough says my life has reached a point where I'm satisfied with it. And I'm just going to keep it right here because everything's organized and, and that's it. But godly is saying, God, you gave it all to me. I'll give it all back to you tomorrow and we'll do something else. That's godly. Godly is, God, 
it's all yours anyway. You want to double it, triple it, minus it, half it, do whatever you want. Let's go. Where are we going? That's godly. If you want to live the godly life, I think it's a lot more exciting than the good enough life, personally. But we've got to take those steps. We've got to identify where God is leading us. So I want to challenge you, don't limit God's work in your life to simply fixing the issues that are going on inside your box. There's a lot more life happening outside of your box than happening inside of your box. Allow God to lead you to that abundant life in Him. Would you bow your heads with me? I pray that for some of you in this place that God is just stirring in your heart right now. Perhaps there's been something that's going on in you that God used this passage and these words just to, to just shoot an arrow in your heart this morning and say, that's me. I, I need to move on from these things. I need to take a next step. I need to, I need to get a new routine. I need to do something new. I, I need my faith to be re-energized i need to be refocused or maybe there's some of you who've reached a point that you say you know what i need to get out of the way i need to move on and let somebody else do this and moving on from what you used to do doesn't mean you're you're not any good anymore it means okay now god show me what i'm supposed to do next some of us are so terrified of what's next we just hold on to what we have for way too long God's a creator and he's continuing to drive us and move us forward. And there's some of you in this place, and I know it today, that God is stirring in your heart stronger than he ever has before, that I have been calling you to give your life to me and you haven't done it yet. Today is the day to do that. You can say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to take that step of faith. I want tomorrow to be different than yesterday because I want Jesus Christ in my life leading. And if you want to take that step, then it's a prayer that you can begin in your heart by saying, God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. So God, help me know you and make you first in my life. I give you my life. I pray you'd forgive me of my sins and that you would lead me from this day forward. And if that's a prayer that you've prayed for the first time sincerely in your heart, I pray that you would let someone know.